0: The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not sure what it is, it's a rune cast that I've done for years, focused on the runic calendar and the current half-month rune. The Weekly Rune is now available in full on Patreon.com. Just do a search for Kelly Harrell to find it, and you can find the archive of all past runecasts on my site, soulintentarts.com. If you're not sure what a half-month is or what the runic calendar is, Listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the weekly rune. It's explained fully at the beginning of every cast. I want to thank everyone who listens to the podcast, those who send in notes. I always enjoy hearing from you and how the runes touch your life. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the runecast and this podcast possible with their financial support. If you've benefited from the podcast, the RuneCast, or the ton of free articles on the runes, animism, and soul tending on my website, you can show your support through buying my books, which you can also find at my website, soulintentarts.com, by making a one-time contribution through PayPal, or contributing regularly through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and search for Kelly Harrell, and you can also subscribe to the weekly rune there. And thank you for it. In an early episode of What in the Weird, 10, I think it was, I talked about the healing story, which factors a bit in how I work with Kenna's. And yes, there are all kinds of different ways that this rune is pronounced. Go with the one that works for you. I'm going with the one that works for me. So to back up a bit, in the first et, we have the progression of An Susan Theraido into Kenos, which if we take as movement of one rune's teachings into the next, we end up with the formula that I structure along the lines of Ansu's plus Raido equals Kenos, or soothsaying plus storytelling equals meaning. And it means that Kenos is the culmination of what we know plus what we think about it. And to really come into peace with either or both of those things means we confronted our shadows. Historically and cross-culturally, Kano's has a couple of meanings, which include torch, as in a tiny light in great darkness, and also the meaning of an irritation, particularly a physical one that swells and grows Unless or until we deal with it, and these are both very literal, tactile meanings of the rune, and they both represent annoying situations brought to sudden closure. Another association with Kenaz is that of kenning, which may be conceptually originated in Germanic, Old Icelandic, Old English. Each of those has roots, cognate roots in the word kenning, and other rune-influenced languages. Kenning is the combination of simple words or concepts that create a totally new concept that didn't exist before. So, like, classic kennings from Beowulf are whale road, as in the ocean, or battle sweat, which is blood. Those are the common ones that people talk about. But we have modern kennings like brown noser and tree hugger, and what I've always found resonant about kenning is that it employs metaphoric qualities that draw on these really tactile things, these practical things that we understand in one way, but in combining them, pulls them together in this really poetic, brand new way. In in my very non-scientific opinion, it's engaging both brain hemispheres in that it's poetic. But it's based in these literal, relatable life dynamics to create a completely new concept. It really involves duality to create a completely new awareness. So where is she going with this? Okay, When we sit with that dualistic nature of Kenos, its association with light and darkness, tension and the dispelling of it, it all becomes a little more logical, right? My lens for the runes is animistic and as tools for personal evolution, like keys that we can learn from to guide us through life. And through that view, Kenos is about shadow and light. So the 90s and early aughts came with a lot of projection where shadow is concerned. And, and, and first of all, Those eras taught that we have only one shadow and that we need to shine light on it post-haste. And I bought into that as much as anybody. I didn't know any better. I was still coming from this trajectory of sin and salvation. I just didn't know any better. And the thing that I couldn't figure out about lighting my shadow was why I still felt like crap. It turns out that lighting your shadow is right up there with killing your ego. It doesn't work that way. We can't kill off parts of ourselves. We can't drag them screaming into the light. We develop shadow parts, yes, plural, when a life dynamic turns us inward on ourselves. It could be trauma, could be mean girls, bad government, colonization, poverty, sickness, Shadow selves are created as the result of external events that we deal with by internally shelving part of ourselves. And so then if we have shadows inside us, we have light also, right? Yes. We call the lights high selves. True self, sacred self, big me, transpersonal self, Go with the wording that works for you. And and again, I was taught that we have one shadow, one high self. No. Just no. If that's mind-blowing, you just hang on a second. For every shadow, we have a true self attached to it. I've talked about this on my blog in the last couple of months, and the folks in my mentorship training program have recently been working with the shadow-sacred self connection. Every time I teach this coursework, it surprises everybody when I say that shadow selves are the flip side, or at least one facet of, our sacred selves. We have internalized a definition of perfection that leaves out our actual wholeness. Is, is this sanitized spiritual bypassing that insists anything less than perfect isn't worthy. It isn't soulful. When in reality, that's not only untrue, it's damaging. When we reject shadow, we're also rejecting a true self that we need. Before that mean girl incident, before that professional run-in where we sent part of our self-empowerment away, we were living that true self. We were running the show of who we are with that true self until some hurtful event happened and we sent it away. And sometimes life is just like that, as with soul parts. Not the same thing as shadow parts, but we file away parts of our power because we can't change the circumstances we live under. We have to be nerfed for a little while just to survive. But then we start missing that true self. We remember the power we used to have and can't figure out why we can't access it anymore. And that's when the shame cycle starts. I used to be so good at math or I don't know why I still can't run 10 miles or uh, when I was younger, I felt so good about being in a relationship and what's wrong with me that I can't do that now. Those kinds of thoughts seep into the edge of our periphery in that sort of Kana's torch, you know, tiny light in the vast darkness way. Because culturally, we haven't been taught the skills to take it to the next step and say, how do I get that back? How do I get my power back? The only way that we're taught to experience it is through shame, which is a significant indicator that a shadow self is at play. Shame is a control device. So instead of recognizing shame for what it is, that it's pointing to a shadow self, we allow it and build harmful beliefs about ourselves with it. Like, you know, yeah, I really suck when it comes to doing my job. Or if I could just lose this weight, I'd feel better around my friends. That kind of self-talk is where shadow thrives. Something happened externally to cause us to betray our own power. We send it to the corner, we feed it harmful beliefs about ourselves, and then it turns into Nellie Olson. Wait, I just dated myself. It turns into Draco Malfoy. It starts to take on a life of its own, and it becomes the mean kid in the room. You start forming thought patterns and beliefs about yourself that get harder and harder to circumvent even to the point of believing them yourself. If we had cultural support that taught us these things, that we have these parts of a system within us that function based on life events, if we knew that shameful thoughts are really shadows talking from our internal dark corners, we would intervene with those thoughts and remember that a true self has also been sent to the corner and it's connected to that shadow. When we talk about sacred selves, everybody's first thought is, hell yeah, I want that. You know, like if I knew my sacred self, I'd quit my job, I'd lose the weight, I'd pursue my dreams. But well, the thing is, you you can't, we can't retrieve the sacred self without the shadow. And that's the Debbie Downer that almost everybody greets, in sacred self work. You don't get the light stuff without the dark stuff. And that's why we have to stop thinking about ourselves in these compartmentalized polarities, or we will always fail our own best efforts to heal, tend, and stoke our power. We are full systems, and that system is enough. Kenaz is the whole package. It's, it's the annoying little voice on the very edge of your awareness that says something's wrong here. Something needs attention. We need to pause. The redeeming thing about that little annoying thought is that when we can allow it to speak, when we can listen to it and let the spark of light ignite awareness We can see the full dynamic. We can see the shadow and the true self and give each of them what they need without trying to change them or kill anybody off. Our shadows don't exist to be dragged screaming into the light any more than we could handle being forced into enlightenment. Shadows have vital information about our survival and they keep... The true self tended. The aha moment of Kenaz is being able to allow both. If you need help with shadow work, that is something that we can do together. I can help you with that. The starting place in that work is being able to accept all of who you are without trying to change it. That's it for this episode. If you have questions or insights about working with the runes in season or you just need a cheerleader, feel free to email me at kelly at dot com or call in through the Anchor app, which you can download for Android or iPhone. Also, check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes and all the other podcast platforms out there. If you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, which is a podcast that I co-host with a couple of other lovely ladies also on Anchor. And other podcasts you might enjoy are Around Grandfather Fire, hosted by James Stovall and Sarah Odinson, and also Why Shamanism Now, hosted by Christina Pratt. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting com or on Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird.